Hello everyone and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 42nd episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside my two co-hosts for today, Adam Goffin, and coming on over over the pond from Coming Home Newcastle Radio, we have Elijah Newsome. How are you two doing today? Footy, Zach. CHN Radio Family Footy. Oh, uh, I'm chilling, dude. Uh, you know, despite Georgia, my home state, crumbling uh, before the eyes of the world, I'm doing fine. You were just saying to us before the pod started, Elijah, that basically you don't need to pass a driving test to get a driving license in Georgia anymore. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. In addition to that, if you need to get your hair cut or go to the bowling alley or get your nails done, you can do that in Georgia as well. Um, <laughs> restaurants are open. It's almost like in Georgia, there is no coronavirus, except <laughs> there is. It, it's still there. <laughs> How is that going for the state right now? Oh, uh, well... Since we decided to reopen, um, and by the way, our, our mandatory stay at home ends tomorrow, so it's going to be to be interesting. Um, since we decided to uh, basically return essential services like barbershops and bowling alleys, uh, we've gotten 200 new cases this past weekend, and that number is continuing to climb. We're up over 25,000 in Georgia, so uh, wow. shout out to us or something like that. Well, you're winning for sure. Yeah, we are, we're right. up there. We're 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 trying to challenge New York for the title. The South, <laughs> we'll, we'll we're we're coming back. There's no sports, so you gotta you gotta get your competitions however you can get them, right? Exactly. <laughs> so unfortunately, it sounds like Georgia is climbing the table quickly uh, and entering the the upper echelon of the uh, American Premier League coronavirus state. Uh, rankings. So not the best thing to hear from down south, but Elijah, nonetheless, still happy to have you on the pod today. Of course. All right. Awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, Elijah, actually, do you want to, I, I think this is your first time on the False Nines. Do you want to just give a bit of background about yourself? Yeah. Um, my name's Elijah. I'm a, the spry young age of 22, hailing from Atlanta, Georgia, the best city in this damn earth. Um, can, do you guys curse on this podcast? That's an important question. That's fine. You can curse. Okay. Well, I said damn, so sue me. Um, but yeah, been a Newcastle fan uh, since I was a freshman in high school. Fairly newish, I guess. I guess since like 2011. So I've only known the Ashley era, and I get to do a podcast with my friend Greg um, called CHN Radio. And we talk about Newcastle, and we release like once a week, and then for every single uh preview of a match and review of a match which there are no matches anymore so i guess right now just once a week <laughs> awesome yeah so uh elijah and greg um a few months ago were with open arms graciously welcomed uh the false nines into the coming home newcastle family uh which was you know a big jumping off point for for us coming from a lowly bedroom podcast to the the uh the shiny um uh kind of brass tacks world of sb nation so a, yeah. a big big <laughs> step up for us and we we are so grateful to to them and to have elijah on today to to talk some footy so as as Elijah hinted at, and as we've said in, in multiple podcasts recently, not a ton of footy to talk about at the moment as uh, play has uh, subsided in all international leagues. So 
For today's agenda, we're going to do a bit of a Premier League recap, and not specifically with the teams, but more so with individual performers throughout the year. Uh, if you're a footy fan, you might have seen that a number of publications, including The Athletic and uh, um, SB Nation, I think, did a Team of the Year release. The Score, I saw, did a Team of the Year release. So uh, a lot of these publications doing their, their picks for Team of the Year, and that'll be the, the main focal point of the pod today is looking at who we each consider to be the top performers in their respective positions across the Premier League. So um, with that, Adam, do you want to kind of introduce how we're going to go through uh, these teams and the, and the rules that we gave ourselves? Yeah, exactly. So um, high level, we are picking our first 11. Um, I had initially said we should do 4-4-2, but these guys went rogue and decided to put their own formations together, the tactical savants that they are. Don't loot me into that. That, that was just Zach. <laughs> I follow instructions. Are you 4-4-2 as well? Of course. Our, Come on. All right, fantastic. Well, we'll have some... Uh, some, some, you know, at least some uh, similar players, I'm sure, in ours. But Zach has decided to go all Jurgen Klopp on us and play some custom formations over there. So, um, I can. Here's what I'll do: is I have, I have my three, uh, my five, three, two formation, but I do have in my head the secondary four, four, two. If if the matchup is requiring a switch of formation, so so I can pivot. There. You're gonna push Javier Menkio forward into midfield, is what you're saying. Exactly. That's exactly Fan- right. To to his natural position of attacking right winger. Um. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, four four two formations, maybe uh, maximum of three players per club. So we don't basically all pick Liverpool players. Um, so there'll be three Liverpool players per team, obviously. And then we'll pick three honorable mention su- substitutes as well. Uh, they don't have to be any specific position, um, but the three players per club still applies uh, when you're including those subs in our first fourteen, if you will. That sound good, Zach? Yeah, that sounds great to me. And so I think the the way that we'll run through this is um, instead of each of us giving our um, our respective lineups, how about we do it by position? So we can start with keeper, and then each run through the defense, each run through the midfield, and each run through the forwards. Sound good to you guys? Yeah, sounds great. All right, awesome. Well, Elijah, why don't you start us off? Who is your pick for goalkeeper of the year in the English? Barclays Premier League. Well, I think that this 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 particular player I think is a great keeper. I don't know if he necessarily was the best keeper in everyone's eyes, but definitely this season got a lot more recognition. Um, I'm going to go Martin Dubrovka for the sole reason: one, I needed a Newcastle player in there, uh, and two, um, it's one of those things where if you look at if you watch every Newcastle match you're like, there's literally no team, there's no way this team would not be, like, they, there's no way they'd be, like, out of the relegation zone without Martin Dubrovka. Literally has saved Newcastle's butt so many times. To me, if you plug him in on any other team, and, you know, potentially we see this next season as the potential for this team to be a really good team um, and, you know, be up in the in the upper echelons of the Premier League kind of is a possibility. Like, maybe people will see how good Martin Dubrovka is, but, I mean, because Newcastle have always been a mid-table to lower-table side and Martin Dubrovka's tenure, people don't see it. And he literally is this, one of the only reasons Newcastle is is personally, like, just able to be in the Premier League next season, et cetera, et cetera. He's an outstanding goalkeeper. Zach, I think you and I have had this conversation before about where Dubrovka ranks in the Premier League. 
I think last time we had this conversation, I was saying for me, he's probably top three in the Premier League. I think you said he's probably in your top five. Um, but you, you make some good points there, Elijah. Like from from a value to his team perspective, and also looking at how much he initially cost um, and the return on investment they've been able to get from him. An amazing signing for Newcastle, one of the better keepers they've had in a long time. Yeah, for sure. So it was pretty shocking to me when I was doing research uh, for for picking my team. I, I didn't realize that Newcastle United, who's sitting in 13th in the Premier League, is tied for fourth in most clean sheets in the Premier League. Um, which I think, again, it really does support your point there, Elijah. Newcastle with nine clean sheets in 29 matches. And I think I agree with you. You've, if you watch Newcastle um, at the frequency that, that we all do, you, you'll know that uh, Dubravka makes has worldy after worldy, even in games where we lose, it seems, you know, making a number of pretty phenomenal saves and being the, the reason that the, our goal differential is is what it is. Um, and I I like that pick. I, I personally, and Adam, I'd love to hear your take on this. I initially said Dean Henderson as my pick for goalkeeper yeah. of the year, but I... I I think that it really, for me, it was between him and Dubravka, and I, I would uh, I would lean towards Dubravka as well, and purely because um, Dean Henderson and Sheffield United has a much more resilient and consistent back line than Newcastle does, who have a number of quality defenders but have ham- been hampered by uh, significant injuries so far this season. Yeah, um, I, I see your point there. I did go with Dean Henderson, actually. And I'll tell you why I went with Dean Henderson. For me, it was a breakout season for him, right? He's mm-hmm. he's at Manchester United on loan at Sheffield United. Uh, and he's somebody that, you know, is probably going to be understudy to David De Gea for several years to, to come. And for me, this was his breakout season. Um, he has the lowest goals against from a goalkeeping standpoint in the Premier League at 22. He has 10 clean sheets on the season, tied for second. The only person with more is actually Nick Pope. Uh, Burnley has mm-hmm. 11 clean sheets on the season. So um, I really enjoyed kind of watching him play. Um, we happen to play pretty well against against Newcastle, but uh, this is a young goalkeeper, a goalkeeper that's got a great English future ahead of him. He needs to be starting every week. So I, I would think if... He, if, if the season ends and he's not going to be told he's going to be starting ahead of David De Gea, which is very unlikely um, that he would start ahead of De Gea, I think that he's moving on this summer. I, I think Sheffield United needs to do every single thing they can to keep on to him. I, I think they, they should spend every dollar imaginable to keep him between the sticks. Mm-hmm. They have great Saudi owners at Sheffield about United, so there's a good chance that they might they might put their hand in their pocket yeah, for Yeah, I was about to say, they got those Saudi owners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so we have two Dubravka, one Henderson at goalkeeper. I think that was pretty much how I kind of felt that was going to fall. Um, one quick, Dean Henderson one, also one quick spoiler. Yeah, one, one quick spoiler alert. I did put Dubravka in my honorable mentions in my substitute, so he is one of my three substitutes as well. So I do agree, fantastic goalkeeper, huge contributors at the team. Yeah. Yeah. All right, nice. All right, so we'll we'll go on to defense and um, in the four four two formation, we'll we'll start on the right side of the defense. Um, let's, let's, let's play a little game here as I think right back is the easiest position on this lineup to select. I'm going to count to three and on three, we're all going to say who we selected as our right back for team of the year. Okay. Yep. One, two, three. Vernon. Vernon okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one else had Vernon. In either, An all time. Great. Okay. Oh. An all-time great. Uh, who did you say, Adam? I said Javier Manquillo. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. All right, yeah. Who? Did, 
All right, so so I'm going to count to three again, and now you guys are both going to say who you actually okay, put down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Trent, Trent Alexander. Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah. Best right back in the world the, right yeah, now. Absolutely. Easily. 12 assists in the Premier League this season, leading uh, all players not named Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and, and from right back, nonetheless, he, he really has, in it seems like two full seasons, essentially reinvented that right back role. Uh, what what impresses me personally with Alexander-Arnold um, is not just you know his ability to cross the ball into the box, of which I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any better in the world, but he in my opinion, does not really give up any of his defensive prowess with his attacking mindset. And I think that that is pretty astounding. And playing, in my opinion, uh, as a player much older and much more mature than than he is in real life. Yep, I'm a big fan. I think one of the things that's always impressed me about him, just seeing him interviewed as well, is he's so humble. He's uh, His humility is, is really, really impressive. For somebody as talented probably as wealthy as he is right now, given the, the skill he has. Um, and to your point, really chipping in with all those assists. The second most assists in the Premier League coming from a defender is, a, is, a, is an incredible stat. So um, he also came up with a, a great few assists in the Champions League as well. He's back in a couple of goals as well. So um, very, very impressive defender who I think is only going to continue to get better. And good luck trying to get in the England team ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Elijah, how many? I'll, I'll ask you this: How many years do you think it'll be until he's the Liverpool captain? Oh gosh! Or do do you think he will be the Liverpool captain? Because Liverpool, as as we've talked about, oftentimes is so stacked with you know young, impressive players. Would you? Would he be your pick as the next Liverpool captain? And and same with the England national no, team. No, because I think that I, I mean, I think he's going to go somewhere else. I think as much as Liverpool really want to hang on to him. I mean, in as much as Delta City, I don't know if he says if he's if he's given the opportunity to be a key player at Real Madrid during their rebuild, you know, consistently winning the league, consistently playing the Champions League. I could see him doing that down the road, entering its prime. I, I think that there's the, the the one club player is gone. I, I can't really imagine many players who have stayed at a particular team for one time. And, and when you're in the best in the world, you can kind of move between teams shake up the transfer market and there's not really any sort of you know lasting criticism for you i mean look at neymar completely broke the transfer market twice and potentially could do it again and no one cares because uh, he's neymar he's the best at his position in the world and turn alexander arnold is moving into that that realm so i mean he's already won it with liverpool he's won the champions league he's potentially already won the premier league i mean he's kind of done what he's had to do in the premier league I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple years he's somewhere else. Interesting, Adam. What are what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's that's a pretty shocking statement. I I like that you're stirring the pot there, Elijah. Yeah, I think um, for me, I think he's going to be the next Steven Gerrard in terms of his loyalty um, to Liverpool. Like, I don't think unless something happens where he has a massive falling out, and I don't think that necessarily would happen. He's born and bred Liverpool, right? He's a Liverpool fan, born in the city it would take something special to see him walk away from that club. And I think it would be something like maybe a Mike Ashley taking over, uh, <laughs> coming in there and upsetting the apple card a little bit. Um, I think he's loyal to them through his career. I, I personally don't see it, but it's a, it's a bull chap. Klopp leaving. If, yeah, if Klopp ever were for some reason to go to a different club, I could see him going with him. That'd be, I, like I said, I don't know. 
I have no idea like about the future, but I don't know. I have a weird inclination that maybe in a few years we're talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold leading a team of his own somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's I think the the Jurgen Klopp point is is one that sticks out to me as you know a valid line of thought because you, you do see those players who get extremely attached with the manager and especially a manager who brought Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold up through the ranks and. and made him the right back of the future for that team. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if TAA becomes the Francesco Totti of the Premier League or or if he if he jumps ship in a few years. Um, all right, so from right back, uh, we'll go to the center of defense, the heart of defense. Uh, Elijah, start us off. Who uh, Maybe we'll, we'll go both here if we're doing a 4-4-2. So who are your two center backs of choice? Wow, so I think this is where we kind of get a little swifty with, uh, with my choices. We mix things up a little bit. So um, my first center back is a guy who actually isn't a center back but had to learn to play center back and was pretty damn good at it. I'm going to go with Fernandinho. This is a, a holding midfielder that essentially was asked to play center back in Man City because they, I don't know what happened. They Their entire team broke and they just didn't have any center backs and did a very good job there. Uh, arguably the best center back they had this season. And to be the number one center back, um, not having played the position before in your lifetime and obviously not being brought in to play that position at the second best team in the Premier League, I think that's worth noting, and so that's why I've put him in there. And I didn't want to give my second slot slot to Van Dijk because I feel like you could make a Premier League team of the season for the past, ever since he's been in the Premier League, honestly, and he'd be the center back, and I think that's been the case, and that's boring. So I went with Sionchu from Leicester. I think this lad's had a phenomenal season, have flown a bit underneath the radar just with how many brilliant players Leicester has had and, and the squad they've built and how good they've been. Um, but he's been the heart and the soul of a very good defense, uh, a top five defense in the league, and um, he's only 23 years of age. I think that he's going to be one of those guys that's that's going to be dominating the Premier League for years to come. So, I like that, Adam. What what are your picks for the the center of defense? The two the two and the three proverbially. Yeah. So I went for two completely different players. Um, the first name I think is very obvious to to most people is Virgil Van Dijk. Um, I didn't want to spend all my Liverpool players early on, but I think that's the one area where Liverpool are probably the most impressive is defensively. Best defense in the Premier League in terms of goals against. Um, for me, Virgil van, van Dijk is captain fantastic, right? He organizes the team around him. He's very, very vocal. Um, and he chips in with a few goals as well. We talk about Newcastle's defenders chipping in with goals, and we have a bunch of them tied on two. Van Dijk has four this season. All from set pieces, all headers. So um, somebody who puts an important goal in there every now and again. Virgil van Dijk, for me, would not only be starting in my team, but he'd also be the captain of my team as well. All right, and with your other center back? Uh, my other center back, I went for a little bit of a flyer also. Similar to Elijah, picked a player who it might have flown under the radar a little bit. I had to have a Bournemouth player in here somewhere, and this is where I had it. Uh, Nathan Ake, mm. uh, for me, Dutch 25-year-old, ex-Chelsea graduate, has had a really, really good season, and I think he's been kind of a bright spot in an overall pretty poor Bournemouth Cherries team. Um, he's had over 100 clearances and over 100 recoveries on the season, um, and basically I think they've been a better team when he was in it. Uh, he's been out injured a couple of games, and the defense has looked a little bit more shaky 
when he's been out of the team. So I don't know how much you guys know about Nathan Ake, but he's been a pretty impressive player for the Cherries oh, this year. Trust me, I've been on the Nathan Ake train for a while. I play a lot of FIFA, and he is one of the OG FIFA Wonder Kids. So trust me, I know about Nathan. Great hair, oh, too. Brilliant. Amazing Great hair. hair. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic hair. Yeah, he, he kind of brings back the Kobe Jones look from the late 90s. I don't know if I, that strikes a chord with either mm-hmm. of you two. It does. Uh, U, U, U.S. Caps leader of all time, actually. Fun fact for you. Um, okay, so, so, so Adam, it's Nathan for you. And uh, that interesting ones for both of you guys. So... You've both mentioned my two center backs, but I also have a a dark horse, an ace up the sleeve if we're, if we're going wild cards here. But um, I'll, I'll say that Virgil van Dijk has to be in that team uh, for one of the two spots. I, I think that it would be a pretty impossible argument to, to argue otherwise. Uh, yeah, the, the man has barely stepped a foot wrong since joining Liverpool. His career in its entirety has, has been just consistently improving from his time at Celtic to Southampton and now um, leading the team at Merseyside. So, yeah, Van Dyke, best center back in the world right now. So, uh, you know, by association, best center back in the Premier League. For the other one, I, I, I said Soyuncu originally, Elijah. I, I agree with you. I think that I get kind of a... A, a bit of a Nemanja Vidic vibe yeah. from him. He he has that you know that kind of vicious first step, uh, which is something that I've noticed with him is his ability to really step into challenges, not necessarily sliding tackles, but more so those standing tackles and winning the ball off uh, people and being able to to go upfield and and then be an offensive threat. Uh, but I'll, I'll put him on my honorable mentions for for sake of tossing out another name. Um, I'm I'm going with my second Sheffield United player of the night, and that would be Sheffield United center back Jack mm, O'Connell, who is the captain of that club. Like uh, that so, yeah, I I think that you know when you ask when when you think about why Sheffield United has had the success that they've had this year, uh, the the first name that always will pop into the mind is Dean Henderson. But O'Connell, who is the captain of that club, I think has been as instrumental as the goalkeeper. Um, he, he's been with Sheffield United for a number, number of years uh, and really just keeps that backline as resolute as it is. Sheffield United, a, a team that was before the season picked to be a relegation struggler, now with the second best defense in the Premier League. So it's, it's pretty unbelievable to see that progress. And I think that O'Connell really does personify why they were able to do so. Nice. I like that shout. Um, Soyuncu for me, when I think about Leicester specifically, you mentioned him already. You know, they, they lost Harry Maguire in a really, really big deal to Manchester United this past summer, and they were there was a lot of concern and worry that they weren't going to be as defensively astute as they were in previous seasons. And I think Soyuncu is one of the main reasons why they've been able to, to be as defensively minded as they have while still scoring a lot of goals with players like Vardy, etc. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So we've done the majority of the defense, and we'll end on the left side. Uh, Elijah, who is your left back? I think it's no surprise who mine is. Um, It's it's got to be Andy Robertson. I think he's the best left back in the Premier League, and it's not even close. (laughs) I I wouldn't disagree with you there. The only reason I did not pick Andy Robertson is because I wanted to pick a third Liverpool player that was not. Andy Robertson. Yeah, um, so I actually went with a different player. 
Um, so my left back is actually uh, part of Zach's beloved Leicester team, Ricardo Pereira. Um, somebody who I think is a phenomenal defender. Um, he has three goals on the season, which is unusual for a left back. Uh, two-footed, defends really, really well. Uh, Portuguese international, for me, a top defender. And still in his mid-20s, I think he's got a great, great career ahead of him, both internationally and continuing to grow under Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. So Ricardo Pereira for me at left back. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that. And I, I think that, uh, as both of you said, um, Andy Robertson is is kind of the easy pick there. And, and for no fault of his, uh, he is the perfect complement to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, interestingly enough, I also went with a Leicester left back, but it isn't Ricardo Pereira. It's Ben Chilwell, who I have been really impressed by this season uh you know perhaps maybe not the best left back in the league but i think the most improved left back in the league mm-hmm. uh like Joel has been with Joel has been with lester since the the um championship winning season but was not playing at that time was a bit too young to crack into the team and i, I think that his emergence as that uh, that wing back um very similar to to what Robert, the role that Robertson plays at Liverpool. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, if, if we're somewhat rating these players based off the success that their teams have had, the fact that Leicester is in third is largely down to that defense with Soyuncu. And I, I would say Chilwell is as important um, to that side as, as anybody else. So uh, I'll, I'll put Jack Chilwell as my, my left back for team of the year. Yeah. Nice. And now, hey, I got a little, I guess, I mean, I know you guys do the armchair pundit segment, but I'm just going to come in with the hot take. It's not my armchair pundit, but I will say this. If Jetro Williams is at Newcastle next year, he'll be in the conversation for uh, best left back. He'll be in, he, I don't think he'll hey, be he's... but I think he'll be in the conversation. I mean, he had a very short amount of time here in Newcastle, obviously cut short due to his ACL tear. But, I mean, the guy was... When he was playing and he was in the right system, he was brilliant and scored a couple bangers, and I think that he's got a few more bangers coming our way. That goal at Anfield, oh, that that's just the one memory I have of, of watching him play. Yeah. Um, taking the lead at Anfield and then subsequently getting stuffed 4-1, as you would expect at Anfield. But <laughs> but we took the lead, damn it, and it was a heck of a goal yeah. for, for Just one of the best goals of yeah, the season, but... easily, for, for Newcastle at least. Legend has it that Ronaldo learned the Ronaldo chop from watching that oh, yeah, play. Exactly, <laughs> Chetra Willis did <laughs> to score the goal against Liverpool. I, I like that chat, Elijah. He he did look phenomenal for Newcastle. A, a classic like FIFA seventeen oh, oh, transfer, yep. Chetra Williams. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he looked great. So no, I, I like that take. Um, all right, on to midfield. So uh, four midfielders will be needed here. Uh, let's start with you, Adam. Who who do you have, um, let's say, on the right side of midfield? Sure. Yeah, on the right side of midfield, um, a lot of these teams that I'm picking from play with three up top. So the right side of midfield is kind of a little bit of a cop-out. Um, so I've got basically my midfield four and my two strikers. So my wingers are definitely people you could both associate with being um, traditional forwards, I would say, in their respective teams. On the right wing, I went with Adama Traore for Wolves. Um, breakout season for him as well. He's been somebody who who I think has terrorized teams this year. Um, there's been links to La Liga transfers potentially going um, across over to Spain. He scored four goals, but just the, 
the fear of God that he puts into defenders <laughs> when he runs at them, and he is like a bull. Like his frame is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what an incredible player and somebody I think that Wolves will have a hard time holding on to given the talent level there. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I said Triore as well for, for all the reasons you just listed. Um, one of the highest praised players, I think, outside the top four this season. Uh, I remember after the last match against Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp said that he is absolutely unplayable. And for the manager of the best team in the Premier League to, to say that uh, about you is, is pretty high praise. So, yeah, Triore was my runaway for right midfield. I knew you guys were going to say Triore. And he is in my team. He's on my bench. So, don't be mad. But I decided to bend the rules as well a little bit, and I went with the player that currently is playing as a cam, but has played in the past as a right midfielder, as a left midfielder. Um, and in this particular team, I think I'd love him as a right midfielder, Jack Grealish. I think that for a team that is so bad in Aston Villa, a, a guy who single-handedly has kept them in the Premier League if the season ends now or whatever, like Jack Grealish has just been unbelievable and it's in like in the 442 it's really kind of hard to find a, a spot for him um just because he really is a true cam and a true attacking kind of midfielder in every way like i'm not expecting jack Grealish to, to to really track back that all that much but i mean he basically was the hard soul of aston villa the only reason that they're had a chance at at avoiding relegation and so i had to include him in the team and i put him out right I like that. Um, I'm going to pivot over, to, uh, Zach, and just kind of move into my midfield right now just because I do have Jack Grealish starting in my team as well. Um, so my two center midfielders, no surprise, um, Kevin De Bruyne and Jack Grealish. I've thrown defense out the window. Mm-hmm. We're not def- we're not defending. We've got Virgil van Dijk in the team. We're fine. So we're, <laughs> we're going to have Grealish and we're going to have De Bruyne in the middle. We're just going to push forward, continue to push forward. Adama Traore on the right. I totally agree with you, Elijah. I think Grealish, for me, actually at the beginning of the season, I picked him as my Young Player of the Year candidate mm-hmm. when we made our preseason predictions, um, Zach and I. I'm still a huge fan, and I've said this all along. Um, I think if Villa go down, depending on how the season all plays out, um, it would surprise me if he left, but I could now see him having gotten a taste of the Premier League leaving Villa. Um, He stayed down there and was loyal to them when they were in the championship before, but he didn't really have a lot of Premier League experience. Now that he's shown that he can shine on that stage, phenomenal. I'll let you guys, I'm sure one of you picked Kevin De Bruyne as well, speak to De Bruyne, but what what a class act he is as well. Those are my two midfielders. I I do appreciate, Adam, that that the transition you've had from the beginning of the year saying there's no way that Grealish ever leaves his hometown club to to watching what he did in the Premier League and, and understanding that um, for a player who is as good and also is as young as he is, you you have to you have to gamble on yourself, and I think that's what will undoubtedly happen in the summer is he will gamble on himself and he will make a move back into the Premier League. I'm, uh, I'd say that is almost the transfer that I'm most positive will happen this summer I mean, uh, if they go down. Elijah, I know on CHN Radio you've talked about um, quite a bit the possibility of Grealish coming to Newcastle, but I tell you one team he won't be going to, that's Wolves, oh, yeah. another West Midlands club, um, local rivals. He's not going to Wolves, so we've got a, we've got a, good I'd say a 1 in 18, 18 chance of then of him coming potentially to, to another team. Hey, if Newcastle are willing Newcastle. to pay uh, a manager 19 mil a year, I'm sure they're willing to play a, pay, a player whatever it takes to join the club. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so um, 
Yeah, center and midfield, uh, I assume, Elijah, you have Kevin De Bruyne in yeah, there as do. well. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's really hard to argue against De Bruyne. He's by far the best midfielder in the Premier League, and I don't think it's close at all. Um, and, I mean, obviously leads the league in assists. Brilliant on the ball. You can tell how much worse. I mean, even though it's Man City, you can tell that they are worse without him on the pitch. Um, and we've kind of seen that over the past couple seasons as he's had some injury issues where they have just looked not great. Um, by their standards, at least, when he's not playing. Um, I guess I can go ahead and say my second player. I went with Mateo Kovacic. Um, I think with this season at Chelsea, I think it was honestly much better than I expected it to be. Um, I think he really was one of the anchors of that midfield. And I mean, I think it kind of flew under the radar with Jorginho and Mason Mount and all those guys having just really good seasons. But I think he was just an underrated kind of player. And when you talk about having uh, attacking midfields, um, I do think that you need to have a little bit of an anchor there, someone who's going to track back, and I think Kovacic would be that guy. So, Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great chat, and I agree with you. Chelsea is a team with you know, a million midfielders and a million more on the bench, mm-hmm. it seems like, but I agree that Kovacic, when he came to the club, uh, did seem to almost not really have a role that was kind of set out for him. It, it seemed like he was more of a, a bit of an impulse purchase uh, by Sarri when, when he was at uh, managing Chelsea. But I agree with you. I think that he has really shined in that team, and especially um, with N'Golo Conte being out for uh, a number of games with injury this season. I think that you know Conte... On, on his day and when he's healthy is the best center defensive midfielder in the Premier League and the ability that Kovacic has had to kind of step in there and, you know, not be the same player, but but be able to fill that gap has been really impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. Um, for, for my center of midfield, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, best midfielder in the Premier League, probably player of the year this season. Uh, 16 assists, also eight goals. Um, and, you know, there, there is nothing wrong with his game. Uh, a, a bi-footed player can hit the ball with his left, his right, and his distribution is, um, you know, something to behold. Uh, for, for my other center of midfielder, I, I struggled a little bit. Um, was tempted to go with that all-out attack uh, that Adam did with Grealish playing in the middle of that midfield. Uh, also thought about Kovacic. Um and also thought about Conte, even though he missed 10 games this season, uh, I think that N'Golo Conte, when he's healthy, is is the best center defensive midfielder in the world. So um, I guess, I don't know, can I can I cheat out here and do half and half? Can I do half Conte, half, half no, Kovacic? No. <laughs> Kontacic. Kontacic. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so so I I would say uh, on this season I'll, I'll I'll do the attacking midfield. I'll actually put Grealish in there because I do think that uh, for for how bad his supporting cast is, uh, the ability that he's had to, to lift up that team is is really yeah. impressive. Somebody somebody that I kind of I almost put him on my honorable mentions, and he's somebody I think who's had a big influence on his team is um, Emi Buendia for Norwich. Mm-hmm. I think he's really made them tick in midfield. They've, they've not had problems scoring goals, really. They've had problems with, with a leaky defense. And I think a lot of the, the creativity in midfield um, came from Buendia. Um, not not good enough for my 14, but somebody I think probably worth a, hmm. a shout there as yeah. well. I like that. All right, cool. So on to the left side of midfield. This is this is an interesting one. I think there, there, there weren't as many uh, kind of clear-cut options here, so I'm interested to see what both of you have to say. Adam, who is your left midfielder? Sadio Mane. 
Um, striker, I know, but plays on the left-hand side. For me, top scorer last season, 14 goals this season. So, so consistent. You can you can bet your house on him. And he just pops up with these vital goals when Liverpool need him the most. Um, for me, probably also, I'd say, in my top five, if not maybe top three players in the Premier League, I think he's an outstanding footballer. Um, and he'd walk into any team of mine. So, Sadio Mane. Yeah, that's a good shout um, I, I also went with an attacking kind of player that plays on that can play on the left as well, um, and I went with one Pierre Emerick Aubameyang who um, Ooh, had a bit okay. of a, a renaissance, been a bit inconsistent last season and season before, but this season second uh, second best score in the league, honestly by and large the best player in Arsenal this season, especially when the attack was so I don't know how to say this because um, I mean I can't really say it was like bad because I watched Newcastle this season but for what people what for what it was hyped up to be the Arsenal attack just really didn't deliver as a whole if you take a bumming out of the picture that attack is woeful um I mean and it it obviously they had to bring in players like Nicolas Pepe who you know started to find his footing after Arteta came in but talk about a player who's performed for them all season and deserves a little bit of credit for just the fact that they didn't drop as far at the table as they as they could have Aubameyang is, is the is the man for me. Interesting. I'm fascinated to hear who you put at forward. If 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 out and out striker Pierre Embrick Aubameyang is your left hey. midfielder, uh, hey, but... and I, I, I don't have Aubameyang up top either. So. I'm just saying um, that I he has played at left mid against Newcastle, which is the only reason that I put that was they ran a four three three with him <laughs> as the left winger and a and Lacazette as the uh, the man up top. So yeah. It's That's been totally done fair. multiple times, so I'm like, all right, well, if you're going to play him at left mid, I'm going to put him at left mid. I'm a cheat. No shame. All right. No, I like that. That's that's creativity, I, I would say. Um, okay, but both of those great selections. Uh, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I guess, another player who technically is not a left midfielder but has certainly played at left midfield a number of times in his career um player i consider to be the best player on tottenham hotspur and that's hyung min son i i i think son is um i i I don't know i i can't say enough positive things about that player i um i i implore both of you to watch his goal video of the 50 goals he has scored for tottenham and and you kind of see when you watch um videos and other highlight videos of that the the way in which he is able to really play all over the field um a really one of those kind of new age roaming midfielders playing behind the striker never really playing as that out and out number nine but um oftentimes coming from the left coming from the right son with blistering pace and and some of the best ball control i would say in the premier league um and also just a player that i love watching one of the you know one of the most positive attitude players in the premier league and and somebody that i've never heard anybody in the soccer world say a negative word about so andre uh, andre yeah, Go- andre gomez has plenty of negative words to say about him zach how about that injury that would uh, that that was that, that injury was in no way young and son's fault he's a so dirty player anybody he touches gets injured is out for multiple months I, I i am personally offended by that accusation <laughs> as as a leading member of the young son newcastle fan i will club. say this about uh, son <laughs> if if newcastle if it this pipe dream happens of this takeover in newcastle somehow end up with pochettino as their manager if Pochettino can morph Alan St. Maxman into Hyungman's son I think I would like cry because 
I mean, that's the only player right now I see at Newcastle who can even reach that level. So we talk about a player that is comfortable on both sides of the pitch, comfortable as a secondary striker, has the ability, the ball control, the pace, uh, the, the, the confidence to shoot from distance, all that kind of stuff. Alan St. Maxman, like, if you were to peg a player that you want Alan St. Maxman to model his game after, like, that's the guy. Screw Neymar, screw all the over-dribblers. Give me Hungman's son on Newcastle, and I I will be, I will die happy. I don't even know. Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest compliment that um, I, would, I would say there is he's probably the greatest Asian player to ever play in the Premier League. I can't think of a better Asian player... He's certainly better than Ki Sung Young for, for Newcastle last season. Better than Yoshinori um, Muto? What? Muto. <laughs> Newcastle legend. Okazaki for Leicester. Maya Yoshida. Like, those are kind of the ones that stick I, out. I, I, I would say the, the one, the, the two, or the one big competition point there would be fellow South Korean Ji Sung Park. Um, his time at Man United winning a number of titles. But I, I think that, no, I agree with you, though. I, I think that San is is the best um, Asian player to play in the Premier League, and that is why he makes my team of the year. All right, cool. Good stuff. All right, right, guys. So so (laughs) up to the top, forwards, this is going to be interesting if if one of you doesn't have a Bumiang in your top two. two of us don't have a Bumiang in um, in our top two. That's that's, that's fair enough. Um, Okay, Elijah, we'll start with you then. Elijah, who are your uh, strikers leading the lines for Elijah? Jamie Vardy, I think. I say what you want about him. Say about his penalty records. Leicester City is not Leicester City without Jamie Vardy. Simple as that, and that's always been the case ever since they won the title. It's been the case for years to come, and I mean, easily one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Um, he, arguably, you could say he's the best. I mean, that's really up for debate. I don't really care. Um, and then I go, I went with Jimenez as my number two. I think he had a really good season at Wolves. Um, and you talk about a guy that would pair well with uh, Jamie Vardy if this was a team that we're fielding out against the Bundesliga 11. That's kind of how I figured I, I put my team together. It's like, all right, how would this team fare together? And I felt, you know, if you're going to do a strike partnership, be it good to have a guy like Jimenez up there as well. And I think, you know, he had a, a fairly underrated season on a very talented Wolves team that played some really attractive football. So, you know, why not switch it up? I have my kind of lock for you could say for the Premier League uh, striker position team of the season, he's on my bench, so that's kind of why I decided to give him it as a start. I like All that. All right, Adam, what about you? Um, yeah, anybody that doesn't have Jamie Vardy and they're starting eleven for team of the year uh, will chat shit and get banged, mm. as Jamie Vardy himself said. <laughs> um, uh, he's the best striker in the Premier League. Elijah, I'm not sure if you know this, but um, an old armchair pundit earlier in the season, I predicted that the top goal scorer in the Premier League would score more goals than the Newcastle team would score. And for a while there, Jamie yeah. Vardy was doing me solid. Was like say, it was pretty neck and neck for a while there with Newcastle. You honestly could and have then he got made injured. that. Like, you, if you had just said more goals than the entire Newcastle attack, you would have been spot on. Like, for oh, like the... most, most teams have <laughs> yeah, a goal scorer that has more goal scores than the Newcastle attack. Uh, but I said for the entire team, and uh, that's not going to happen anymore, and it hasn't happened. But Jamie Vardy's still an incredible season, considering he had a month or so out injured as well, and he still has 19 goals on the year. <laughs> for my second striker, um, it's funny, I went with two English strikers up top, oh. um, and two English strikers that probably wouldn't have made, well, arguably, but probably wouldn't have made the Euro 2020 squad had the tournament started. Danny Ings is my second striker. That's a good show. Um, 
I think it's been a comeback year for Danny Ings. He was on the Liverpool book several years ago. Big things touted for him there. He's gone to Southampton. For me, has kept Hasenhutl in a job, has kept Southampton in the Premier League. He has 15 goals this season, and he's the only player in the top 10 scorers that actually plays currently outside the top 10 teams. So just showing you the value that he's been able to bring, and he's done it against the best teams in the Premier League as well. So yeah. Vardy and Ings up top for me. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were going to say Ings, Adam. Um, at both of your picks, I agree, do pair really well. I think that both of them have that kind of more hold-up striker and then and then the speedster and Jamie Vardy. Obviously, Jamie Vardy had a place in my uh, my two forwards. Uh, there's no player, in my opinion, more talismanic in the Premier League than Jamie Vardy is for Leicester, as Elijah mentioned. Um, he really does represent that club on every level. Um, but I, I threw caution out the window and did a Bomeyang for my second striker. Give me just blistering, blistering pace up top. And I want, I want the midfielders to just be playing consistent through balls the entire game because somebody will run onto that. Um, so an easy pick, uh, Aubameyang, two goals behind Vardy with 17 uh, for the top two scorers in the league. But I, I think that both of them have have proven and doubled down on, on why they um, are such valued members of their clubs. Fantastic. Those are three great uh, first 11s there for teams of the year. Like I will it. also say with your team, yeah, Zach, right. like – with the 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 midfielders you have, I mean, you can play so many delicious balls over the top, and your strikers are just going to chase those down. And five goals a match. It'll be five to four, but five goals. <laughs> yeah, in in the words of what was the exact quote, Adam? The the Kevin Keegan quote of, um, you know, it doesn't matter how many goals we let up if we score more every match or, or something along those lines. Yeah, he'd rather he'd rather lose four three than win one nil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is that is absolutely the mentality of, of my club. We're, yeah, that's what Steve Bruce Leaving said absolute and gaps didn't deliver on. <laughs> <laughs> that it, that is that's that's a true statement. Okay, so quick run through the the honorable mentions. Now um, we'll just all name our three um, honorable mentions. Um, Elijah, why don't you start? Uh, who who are your three that almost cracked that? Well, I, I put Sergio Aguero. Um, I mean, I'm a homer. I love Sergio Aguero. I think he's one of the most delightful strikers to watch. He's a Newcastle killer, so I had to include him in as my striker off the bench. Um, and then I put, I, I, as I said earlier, Dama Traore. Um, easy pick. I mean, we talk about versatility off the bench. Um, if I need a right back, I can play him there. If I need a right winger, I can play him there. Hell, if I need a striker, I'll throw him up there. I mean, whatever. He, he's versatile, and like you guys said, truly a breakout season. I'd be shocked if uh, if he's at Wolves. Just given to before, I mean, before this all went down, he was linked to like Barcelona and like places over in La Liga. So, yes, a hundred percent. And then um, I went with Ndidi for Leicester. I think when you talk about up and coming, I mean, up and coming CDMs in the league. You talk about Conte being the best CDM in this league. I think Ndidi's probably up there as at least a top three pure out and out CDM destroyer win the ball and has just been an absolute rock for Leicester this city so when I'm winning 3-0 I need someone to sure up the uh, the team I'll, I'll, I'll sub him on Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, you, you really thought out how this how this lineup plays week in and week out so I, It's what I happens when you play a lot of FIFA career mode 
That's true. You get you got to have yeah. that on lock. All right, Adam, who are, who are your three off the bench? Uh, I have a goalkeeper and two strikers. So I mentioned earlier on Martin Dubravka was um, very close for me for goalkeeper of the season. Um, so I have him on the bench. Two strikers I have. One who started off pretty hot and then kind of tailed off a little bit as the season went on. Timu Puki mm. for Norwich. 11 goals for the season. Um as I said, was just on fire at the beginning of the year. Scored a couple against Newcastle in an embarrassing defeat uh, at Carroll Road, actually their first game back in the Premier League. And somebody, I think, that is going to move on from, from Norwich this year and will be playing again in the Premier League next season. And then the third player, also another striker, um, somebody who is another English striker and I think actually is a little bit underappreciated when you think about underappreciated players in the Premier League, very much overshadowed by Moise Keane coming in, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Mm. Um, Everton's number nine, 13 goals in 27 games and is on fire under Ancelotti. I think actually there'd probably be a better shout knowing Southgate of Calvert-Lewin making the squad than Danny Ings um, for the Euros. And it'll be interesting now to see with an extra year in their pocket how that how that pans out. Oh, I love that. Interesting. Calvert-Lewin over Tammy Abraham. Mm-hmm. That shocks me there. I thought about, um, I thought about yeah. Abraham as well, and I feel like... He's kind of gone off the boil as the season has gone through, and right now, for me, Calvert Lewin is in better form. I agree. Okay, I, I think I think that logic doesn't entirely stand up if you're picking Timu Buki, but <laughs> I, I do see where it's going. <laughs> Timu Buki has scored what? That's fair. Yeah. But how many English strikers do you want me to throw in this fourteen? Yeah, that's, a, that's such a great point. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I think those are those are both good honorable mentions. Uh, but my three off the bench. Um, a bit of a tough selection. Uh, Soyuncu almost cracked my top 11. Really, honestly, probably should if I wasn't going for that kind of dark, dark horse pick with Jack O'Connell. Um, I agree that he he is going to be an exciting player to watch and um, you know, perhaps will lead the Turkish national team back into more international play as, as their captain. Um, Sadio Mane, I think, has to be somewhere in this conversation. As Adam mentioned, he really um, has gone from strength to strength in that Liverpool side and in my opinion, is the best of the top three that they have uh, between him, Firmino, and Salah. Um, and then I, for my third, I'll also pick a goalkeeper. I'll, I'll say that if Dean Henderson is uh, sitting behind Dubravka, he would be uh, the third keeper there. I think that um, he will not be playing for Man United next year. Um, I don't think that they're willing to cut the contract of David De Gea quite yet and pay him what would be a ton of money. So I think that Henderson uh, will, I predict, go back to Sheffield United in a record fee in the summer. I wouldn't be shocked if if Man City came in for him. I think Ederson is overrated, and I think Ederson might be on his way this summer. Bold claim. Bold claim, yeah. Yeah, he could also leave Sheffield United. They, They might have, you know, kind of hit hit that top mark i could also see him going to spurs if hugo Lloris ends up leaving i think um, chelsea is more more realistic than spurs kepa i think is another overrated goalkeeper in the premier league yeah i agree with that yeah also okay. no one can say oh, kepa's nice. last name it's arjibajola as piliqueta ah, it's a bo- no, I'm just <laughs> As, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like uh, kepa to to elijah is um uh, who who Batshuayi to oh, you, God. Adam? The the one player you cannot pronounce. Batshit sushi. Yeah, I mean I can't pronounce yeah. Batshuayi either. I mean, well I just said it. Never mind. 
Yeah. <laughs> you just said it quite nicely, yeah. Mi- 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 so Michi Batuai and Kepa Aritza Balaga are the two players that uh, seem to be giving you lads some troubles uh, fair, on, fair. on this pod. All right, great. So our teams of the year finished there. Uh, all right, Sh- shall we go on to our next section here, Adam? Yeah, do you want to take a quick break before we go? All right, yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Then we'll get a breather, and we'll come back uh, for some some fun little games that Adam likes to play with uh, the the God given names of Premier League players. Visit Wales, sheep, countryside. Llanfair pwll gwyngyll gwgeir achwyn droboil llantysilio gogogoch. Castles. Farms. Visit wales.com, but not until after the coronavirus is done. All right, and we're back from our commercial break. Uh, um, wrapping up today, we'll, we'll be doing three of our normal sections, or two of our traditional sections with with Adam's new um, section that he has, has made kind of a a steadfast one in the pod so adam do you want do you want to open us up with uh, some middle names absolutely i do so i can't give the credit of this section to anyone other than my father chris if he's listening middle names was his idea um and i will also say that today i was texting with josh who was a guest on the podcast a couple weeks ago and he the first thing he said is are you going to be doing the middle name section he goes i said yep he goes that's the best section so there you go there you have it dad Best section, you came up with it yourself. Good job. So middle names this week. Uh, I'm going to fire it over to the two of you. I've got 10 players. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these fancy foreign players don't have middle names, so I couldn't do 10 players from the same team. So we're doing North London clubs this week. Um, Zach, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. Your dad's a, a Spurs fan, so we're going to test your Spurs knowledge. So Spurs and Arsenal are the two teams. We are going to start with Arsenal. And if you don't get the uh, the uh, the kind of way this goes, Elijah, basically I'm going to give you the middle name, and you have to tell me who, or middle name or middle names, you have to tell me who the player is, uh, and they're a squad member for, for the team. So Arsenal first for the first five players. You guys ready? Wait, do I have to get them right is the, is the real question. You absolutely have to get them right. You're both going to get oh. a guess each. So, um, you know, if it's not right, then, then, then you've got double the chance here. So that's good. Oh, God. All right, first player for Arsenal. Emiliano Francois. It has to be Giroud, right, Elijah? I feel like that's too easy. Wait, wait, Arsenal, Arsenal. What am Emiliano I talking about? Frans- He's not on Arsenal. I was going to say Giroud of Chelsea. Sorry, it is not sorry, Giroud. Of Chelsea. Yeah, oh, yeah. London club. Duh. Okay, so so Arsenal. Whew. I I want to go with Aubameyang. Actually, he has a he has a French sounding name, so I'm going to go with Aubameyang. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I feel like we know his no, middle typhonated. name. Is it Emmerich? His parent, his parents were very cruel. It is Pierre Hyphen Emmerich Emiliano Francois Aubameyang. <laughs> All right, so I was right. just wrong. All right, try, cool. Try getting that full name on the back of your shirt. That's it's got to be a lot of fun right there. So, okay, second player for Arsenal, Morera Marinho. Ooh, uh, the uh, uh, okay. Portuguese? You think Portuguese? I was thinking Portuguese or Italian, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure any Italian players. Although, just you know, the European melting pot. Um, all right, it, why don't you go first there, Elijah? Well, if I'm going to go Portuguese, I feel like are there even is Cedric? Is Cedric? I think Cedric Suarez is, is Pepe Portuguese. Portuguese? 
So that'd be the only player is, is that Nicolas I could guess. Is Nicolas Pepe Portuguese? Uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he's not. Oh well, he might have been born in Portugal, but I don't. I don't know. I feel like he definitely plays for like okay. an African. So, so you're going with Suarez? Let's see. Nicolas Pepe is from yeah. the Ivory okay. Coast. Gotcha. Let's look it up. Uh, yep. All right. I, I will go Cote with Hector yep. Bellerin, even though he's Spanish. I loved Hector Bellerin. Incorrect. The correct answer is David Luiz Moreira Marinho. Okay. Yeah, so that, wow. David Luiz. Oh, yeah, I, I'm thinking Portuguese, and I'm like, I'm thinking he's really a Portuguese player, and I just totally forgot that, like, Brazil is a, you know. They speak Portuguese. Yeah, Portugal. Okay, nice. You were, you were closer Gosh. on that one, then. Yep. All right, this, this player is a bit of a breakout player this season. Um, we're going with a middle name of Teodoro. Ceballos. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said breakout as well. Teodoro for Ceballos is incorrect. Would you like one more guess as you both guessed Ceballos? Oh. All right, um, that's all you, Zach. player for Arsenal. I'm not sure. I, I was I was really shoving my chips in on Ceballos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, well, hmm, wait, what was the middle name again? Teodoro. Like Theodore, but Teodoro. Uh, Gendozi? Nope, it's Gabriel Teodoro Martinelli. Mm, okay. Wow, I didn't think yeah, about Martinelli. Really yep. mm-hmm. All right, next. Another Brazilian. Another Brazilian. Yeah, that's right. All right, here, uh, English player. Um, Kedar. K E D D A R. That doesn't sound English at all. Um, it does not. That might be a little bit of a clue there yeah. as to how obscure the last name might be, though. English player. What, are, what English players are on Arsenal? Um, Reese Nelson. He's English. That seems a little bit too obvious, though. Um, Maitland Ooh, Niles. I like Maitland Niles. Callum Chambers also. Who else? Do you want to go Maitland Niles? I'll, I'll I'll double down with you on that one. Wait, Reese Nelson's on that team too. He's definitely English. Mm-hmm. Did I say that already? Mm-hmm. You're gonna go Maitland Niles. Um. Jeez, that's the. That that'd be my guess. <sighs> Mate, I'll, I I don't know. I I'll go Reese Reese Nelson. Sure, you are. If he goes, Mate you are Nelson. both incorrect. It is Eddie Kedar and Ketia. Yeah, I you. I was I was wondering if Ketia was one of those players that has like an African last name that plays for England. Yep. Like you know, born in, gone or something. Born in London. Yeah. Yep. Twenty, 20 years old. Jeez. Great, great, great. Prospect. I should have just went with my gut. <laughs> All right. Uh, final player for Arsenal of the five. Corey. C O C O R Y. Callum Chambers. C C C. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, Elijah. Is. Oh, I'm guessing it's not Callum Chambers because if you if it was. You would have already just given us the answer. It is not Cal Chambers, um, unfortunately. So it's Corey, right? Yep. Um, geez, Corey, 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 Corey. Kieran Tierney, Ainsley, Corey, uh, Maitland Niles. Right. Oh my god! <laughs> you guys were high on Kedar for Maitland Niles, but it was actually Corey. So. Good. 
Wow. Yep. So one for five for Arsenal. Let's see if you can do any better for um, for Spurs. So your five Spurs players start with Edward. Harry Kane. Elijah. Uh, Deli Ali. Harry Edward Kane is the correct answer. Well done, Zach. I felt it was Harry Kane, but I was like, oh, if, if it's not, you know, might as well get another guess in. Yep. So. You guys did well on... The way that Zach yep. said that so quickly, it just made me feel like he definitely knew it was Harry Kane already. <laughs> I wanted to see if you concurred or not, Elijah, but um, yeah, you covered two bases, which is a good call. All right, so you did well on the two middle names for Arsenal. Let's see if you can do well on the two middle names for Spurs. Hadrian or Hadrian Dominique. Uh, is it Jetson Fernandez or Fernandes? I guess is how you say that in Portuguese. How, how, how do you, you say the middle name again? Hadrian Dominique. Oh God, if it's Moose. I was thinking so Sissoko. Um, <laughs> Hadrian Dominique. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Ryan Sessegnon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good guess. The clue is definitely there in the pronunciation. It's Hugo mm. Adrien Dominique yeah. Loris. Oh, God, what a beautiful what a beautiful mm. name for a beautiful man. God, it is. I, great, I'm great. really bad at this segment. <laughs> Jesus. All right, third one. Germain. Germain. Deli Ali. Like that guess. Uh, um, Jermaine Taliali, uh, I'll go with, um, let's go with Eric Dyer. Bamadeli Jermaine Ali. Mm, is the there it is. Answer, well Elijah. done, Elijah. Well yep. Got one. Yeah, Bamadeli is actually his first name. I didn't know that. He's not Deli. Oh. He's Bamadeli. B-A-M-I-D-E-L-E. Oh, that's interesting. That Correct. is a good name. That's a name. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Charles. It's a little bit of a trick question here. Charles. Okay. Well, if it's a trick question, it's because two players have the middle name Charles. Trick question. I'm going to go Eric Tr- Eric Charles Dyer. <laughs> trick question only in it. It's a stereotypically English-sounding name, and it is not an English player. I'll give you that clue. <laughs> well, I've just ruined yeah, but, my but, guess. But, 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 <laughs> you, you, may have, you may have another guess, Elijah. <laughs> All right. There's there's a player I've been wanting to use the entire time. So for Charles, I'm gonna go with Ndombele. <laughs> I'm gonna go Serge Ooh. Aurier. Both are incorrect. It is Stephen Charles oh, Bergwijn signed the, for Spurs. The, oh my in the January I honestly forgot Bergwijn was on that team. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yep. Good. Good player. Some, mm-hmm. some good games um, in this second half of the season. So, all right. Last player. Um, doing a bit better here. I will. I will say for Spurs. Three out of nine so far. Uh, last one is Manuel. 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 Okay. It's, I'm, I'm thinking South American or who? Spanish Manuel. Um. Do you have anything, Elijah? Ah oh, man. I'm I'm thinking of a couple players, and I'm just saying the name mm-hmm. to see if it sounds good, like. I'm going to go Lo Celso, oh, Giovanni damn, Manuel that's, that's Lo Celso. A, I, I, without even looking at Adam's face, it's, I feel like that's undoubtedly the right answer. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Hyung Manuel Minson. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Unfortunately, you are both incorrect. Ooh. It is Eric Manuel Lamella. 
that's fair. Ugh. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. You you yep. were close there, Elijah. But I was gonna tell you to guess the other Argentinian too. I was like, oh, maybe guess one of the other Argentinians. <laughs> good good showing. Like though. we're bound fun. to get one of them. Three out of three out of ten this time. So not 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 a bad showing from you guys. Well done. No, that's terrible. <laughs> that's thirty percent. It was a lot worse last time we tried this game with Josh and Zach. Oh, I'll say sure. that. Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. We got one out of one out of ten that side that time. So. Okay. That, that that was good. I I was far more comfortable doing Spurs than I was at Arsenal. I've I've realized in that section I I do not know a vast amount of Arsenal players, so I got to brush up on my my Arsenal knowledge. Uh, okay, so from middle names uh, to armchair pundits, uh, we'll uh, be going into this section here, armchair pundits, where we each will give one hot take for the pod and then briefly uh defend why you believe that take um so yeah let's let's run through these boys um elijah i know you've been you've been tossing out some hot takes throughout the pod today so i'm interested to see what you say for armchair pundits uh what, what's your what's your thought here well i think that the national media has produced this narrative that newcastle fans uh pending this takeover are expecting a team that will win the Champions League, blah, 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 contend for the title. And my armchair pundit is that Newcastle will not finish in a Europa League spot next position, next next season. Regardless of the manager, um, I think that if you look at Man City and the way they were taken over, they finished in 10th. And obviously that takeover was a little bit different. They kind of really had one day to make any significant signings. But you have to also consider the fact that this Newcastle team right now is barely built as a solid Premier League side. Um, whoever's coming in uh, is going to have to significantly make some changes to the tactics. There's going to be a lot of stuff that is going that that's going to take in uh, that's going to take some time to get used to. And if they make any signings, any impact signings, you're only improving, you know, two or three positions. These these teams that are in these Europa League positions. They have improved across the board over the course of multiple years. Wolves didn't make Europa League their first season um, when they really started to invest. Um, Sheffield is kind of a bit of an anomaly in that regard. Um, so I think that, I mean, that's going to be my hottish take. I don't know who else is really feeling that, but I do think that a lot of Newcastle fans, and I speak for the Newcastle people, seem to think that next season we're going to be up, you know, vying for Champions League place, and I'm here to tell you we're going to finish 10th. Yeah, I, I think that that's... That is similar to, to my armchair punditry for today, and I agree with you. I think that the, the the dreaming that we're able to do after you know 13 years in the doldrums, uh, minus one blip in the radar in 2012, has gotten people dreaming of you know winning the the World Cup next year. It almost seems like so. Uh, I I like that take, uh, Elijah. Adam, what what do you have today? Is it Newcastle related or is it uh, away from Tyneside? Not Newcastle related. I stuck with the North London theme here. So um, my armchair pundit for this week is Mikel Arteta will win a trophy for Arsenal before Jose Mourinho wins one for Spurs or Solskjaer wins one for Manchester United. Oh, we'll, we'll, I like I'll that ask a you lot. this. Will Arsenal go back to their years of winning the FA Cup? It seems like eight years in a row. <laughs> I said a trophy. I didn't say the Premier League, Zach. Said, I said it for I said, a reason. Yes, so, yes, yes, I think cup. it's okay. be, it's domestic domestic cup. So it might be it might be the League Cup, might be the FA Cup. But I have a feeling that Jose Mourinho won't be around for very long, and I think Solskjaer will take a little bit longer to settle in there. Um, Art for me, even though Arteta is young and inexperienced, he's adopted a lot of the traits of Pep Guardiola. 
Um, he plays good football. Um, there he is, his team playing good football. And I think there's going to be some crunky investment that hasn't happened yet. Um, obviously, he's only a couple months into his tenure at Arsenal. I think the team spirit for me has been really, really impressive. He's played 10 games as Arsenal manager, won four, drawn five, only lost one game. They're, they're proving themselves to be tough to beat. Um, and I think that the fact that he's the youngest manager in the Premier League at 38 years old means that he's going to have that chip on his shoulder and a lot to prove. So um, I think Jose Mourinho specifically won't be around at Spurs beyond the end of next season. And I think Solskjaer is just going to take a little bit of time to, to figure it out, although he's got a really talented top three. I think Arteta, for me, will be the first to win a trophy of those three. I don't think Solskjaer is going to last through next season. You don't think so? They're in, no. they're in fifth, three points behind Chelsea right now. Like he's Yeah, and strong. I think that he's gotten incredibly lucky. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely had the rub of the green at times, but I think I think Solskjaer has been a little unfairly criticized at times. Is my personal opinion on it. I like I like Ole. Yeah. I think he's uh, he's got the the crowd on his side there, um, and he's a uh, not a hometown boy, but he may as well be just in terms of his career, right? What he's been able to do for yeah. United. It, I agree, he's been unfairly criticized, but to that point, when have the the Glazers really treated any manager with fair criticism? Yeah, that's true. I think that th- that's my thing is that I think that they're going to be impatient and they're going to want him to be challenging for the league title when, like, he just doesn't have the equipment to do so. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, that That's my, my, my hot take there. Yeah, okay. I like that. I, I agree with you in the sense, Elijah, that the Glazers have consistently blamed every manager for their own ineptitude to find a suitable replacement for Sir Alex Ferguson. So uh, the blame game has been played multiple times. I think Jose Mourinho is the first of those two managers to, to be sacked from the club because I think he's absolutely lost the plot as manager as a whole. But I agree. Okay. All yeah. right, so, so I'm going to bring it back to Tyneside for my armchair punditry. I, I, I think uh, in very similar thinking to Elijah, I think that the, the expectations when a sale technically hasn't even been done yet have been pretty astronomical. Uh, and I, I think that, um, yeah, to, to kind of go right at it, I, I think that Newcastle will not win the Premier League for at least five seasons after getting bought out. Um, and keywords are being at least. I think it could be well longer than five seasons before Newcastle lifts a Premier League trophy. Uh, the reason for this being a, a number of things, uh, kind of harping back to what Elijah said, uh, it's not an overnight game. It's not like a, a number of American sports where you know you, you can essentially buy a new lineup, you can buy a new team and just hit the reset button. There are rules in place in the Premier League and in European football to prevent teams from, from doing that. And uh, there, if we're drawing comparisons to Manchester City, when Manchester City got bought out in the early 2010s, the level of competition, I think, was not as high as it is now. I think that Liverpool is hard to beat no matter who you have on the pitch. I think that Manchester City is hard to beat no matter who you have on the pitch, although we have been able to do it, as you both know. Um, and I also think that financial fair play rules will be very, very difficult for Newcastle to skirt around. So for people unfamiliar with financial fair play, it's a UEFA policy that essentially, in, in layman's terms, dictates that you cannot spend over a certain amount of money more than you earn as a club. And Newcastle is a small market team in, for all intents and purposes in terms of the global scheme of international football clubs. And I think the challenge for the new owners will be how do you earn 
revenue from from fans and from jersey sales and and really putting yourself on these revenue streams that the larger clubs are able to have consistently year after year and i think it will be a challenge and i think it'll it'll take a number of years for the team to coalesce and 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 become a team that can fight for a title hmm. i agree i like that yeah i think that and the good news though is that newcastle fans aren't asking for a team to win the premier league they're asking for a team to compete that competes so um that's that's the good news for this potential new ownership group is that the expectations were are mm-hmm. very low yeah i'd love I'd, I'd love a trophy i mean haven't had yeah. one in my lifetime it doesn't matter it doesn't need to be the premier league even if it's a domestic cup it'd be incredible to to have that feeling of winning a trophy as a as a fan would be phenomenal hell i'll take the international cup uh, the preseason tournament. The, the, Give me one of those. Is, I'll take that. We've already the, done the, that. No, the Heineken. <laughs> you're right. Elijah, you're, you're talking about the Heineken International Trophy. Yeah, of course. Of the, course. The, the coveted, yeah. the coveted silverware to put in the mantle case. The four team, yes. the four team tournament contested at a friendly basis in Valencia every yeah, exactly. every summer. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll be lifting the Intertoto Cup uh, in in a number of years, uh, as as that <laughs> should be the goal of any new owners of any club in the Premier League. Um, all right, guys. So, the good armchair punditry today. I think that was one of our our more stronger Great. of that section recently. Uh, so from here we'll we'll take one more short commercial break and then we will jump into ten and ninety as we always do to wrap up. Chivas Regal has created a special Manchester United-themed blended Scotch whiskey that pays tribute to former team manager Sir Alex Ferguson. The 13-year-old blend, which has been part matured in X-Rye casks, has been created exclusively for the US, where Manchester United is said to have over 8 million fans. Bottled at 40% ABV, the whisky is said to have notes of sweet and juicy orange citrus, creamy milk chocolate, and a dusting of cinnamon. Chivas Regal. Manchester United, Alex Ferguson, best commercial ever. All right, so we are back <laughs> on the false nines. We're going to wrap it up with 10 and 90, uh, our, our staple section as I harp on week after week. I'm very proud of 10 and 90, as you, as you can tell. Um, all right, so uh, we, we're going to split between two teams here, it looks like. Adam, I think you, uh, you created the questions for... Uh, the false nines and uh, Elijah for for coming home Newcastle. So, uh, do either of you prefer who who starts this week? Elijah, as you're the guest, I'll, I'll give you the option. Would you like to go first or second? Uh, I think last time we did this, uh, we went second. So I think this time we'll go first. Okay. And ours, I will say this: I think ours are a bit easier um, because I think Adam like speaks to the wizard of trivia and like. <laughs> makes a sacrifice in order to get his questions because he seems to pull them out of absolutely nowhere. I don't know who you're talking to, who your trivia dealer is, but I need to know this man. <laughs> um, let's get into it. Okay, so um, my theme is if the season ended today. Okay. So um, we kind of talked about that this whole episode is, you know, our best 11 of the season so far, but let's talk about if the season ended today. So if the season ended today, um, and we touched on this with our best 11 keeper with Martin Dubrovka, um, Newcastle would have faced the most shots on target out of any Premier League side this season. How many shots on target for Newcastle? Uh, how many shots on target have Newcastle faced this season? Oh. And I'll, I'll make this one multiple choice because obviously when you're working with numbers like this, it makes it difficult. So, um, is it A, 158, 
B, 161, C, 149, or D, 207? All right, um, 207, we've played, what, 29 matches, so that would be... <laughs> that would be about 15 <laughs> shots on target per match uh, if my math check and to be fair Newcastle are on pace to like have a historically high shots on target per match like for the okay. Premier League ever um, alright I, I think that even that number is, is pretty high up in the stratosphere I'll go with 161 if that I think that was one of your options yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go along with that. I think over two hundred seems seems a little high. It's true. The answer is one sixty one. Yeah. So, there you go. All right. Newcastle have only won. Uh, so if the season in today, this would be the rankings. If Newcastle have, they've only won one penalty kick this season. Um, it was missed. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> um, it's obviously one of the lowest in the Premier League. Um, who, which Premier League side has won the most penalty kicks this season? Oh, man, if you asked me this question exactly a year ago, it would be an easy Crystal Palace answer. Wilfred no, Zaha. Wilfred yeah. Zaha. No, it's not, yeah, it's not I, Palace. I was going to say Millivoy. Wilfred Zaha was, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. It's... Most penalties. Um, I... Go I ahead, wanna, Adam. Sorry. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess Man City. Sergio Aguero, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's um, good you're guess. saying which team has won the most penalties, correct, Elijah? Um, yes, okay. which team? I'll go with... I'll go with um, Man City is your guess. I'll go with Leicester. Both of those excellent guesses when you consider the forwards who have scored a lot of goals this league mm-hmm. uh, this season, the top scorers for those, those teams, both of those teams have a lot of penalty kick goals, but the answer is actually Manchester United. Ooh, interesting. So, there you go. Oh, yeah. Ten. Ra- Rashford probably scored the bulk of those. I know they had a Earlier on in the season, Rashford missed one, and they kind of like went back and forth on who the penalty taker is, but I think Rashford is the, the main guy now. Yeah, there's one team that hasn't been awarded the penalty kick at all this season. Do you know who that I is? I will go... That's like a little bonus guy Burnley. for you. Watford. Wrong. Really? Everton. Interesting. Oh. All, yeah, it, all that one's surprised. I had to leave that nugget in just because like that was a bit shocking because I was looking at the list, and I was like... Pretty much, every, like, Norwich has won, like, two. Newcastle's won one. Burnley's won one. I was like, wow. And then I'm looking, I'm like, wait, Everton's not on that's, this list That's shocking. All, so. all the more reason that Dominic Calvert-Lewin yeah. should be in Gareth Southgate's <laughs> Euro 2021. That's, that's shocking to me just considering mm. how, you know, Everton has a number of those tricky wingers that typically are the ones who win penalties. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting, Elijah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess they don't go down easy. Nope. Um so, uh, moving on, third question. These two Newcastle players, if the season ended, would lead the team in assist. If... Hmm. Assists. Um, I will go with Miggy and two players. Wait, before you guess, do you want yeah. to hit? <laughs> it's, not, it's not Miggy. There's no way it's Miggy. I'm not, I'm not going Miggy at all. Okay, here's your... Oh, uh, uh, okay, I'll let Zach... Actually, I'll let Adam go, and then I'll give the hint to Zach. Can you tell us no, how just, many... Just make a guess, Adam. You just... know the players on Newcastle. You know what they're capable of. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is it, like, a large number? Is it a small number? No, okay, it's... Okay, Newcastle haven't scored many goals this season. They scored 24 goals this season, so it's not a large number okay. by any means. Okay. Uh, it's less than five assists. 
I think Shelby's chipped in with a few, so I'll say one of them is John Joe Shelby. Okay. Set pieces, potentially. Matt Rich. Okay, wait. You both have given one. So Zach's given Miggy. You've given Shelby. Here's I, your hint for your so you can get at least one out of the two. The hint is neither of them, neither of these players have scored a goal. Okay, this I, it's I I, oh. I have a feeling. Okay, Javier Men. Ha- it's not Shelby then. He's Javier <laughs> Javier Menkio yeah. and uh, Javier Menkio and let's go with um assists hasn't scored a goal this season um Mankio and uh, da, 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 Sean Longstaff no Adam any alterations to your guess oh jeez uh Paul Dummett <laughs> that's terrible and I'm gonna go for the long ball pump forward from Martin Dubrovka over the top oh wow um no, so the answer is, and this is going to blow your mind, um, and this is something that we've talked about a little bit on CHN Radio um, and in our Slack channel for coming to Newcastle. The first is Andy Carroll. Three assists, none with his foot. Absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Uh, and then the second one is Christian Atsu, which I have no idea how this occurred, but he has three assists this season. I honestly cannot recall <laughs> any of these but that is what the stats say. That, that's a so great one. I, I tip my hat that to you for that, for that question. Well done. Well done. Yep. Thank you. Um, all right. And so uh, this is another one. So this is almost a gimme because I think, well, I don't know if it's a gimme, but it's been talked about a lot. Um, under the Steve Bruce uh, style of play, a man who promised attacking football, Newcastle have the worst average possession percentage per match out of any team in the Premier League. Do you guys know what that number is? Twenty-four percent. No, it's it's higher. Oh it's, God, no, it's higher no than that. I think it's squad. high thirties. I think it's like thirty-eight. Oh, Zach, you're so close. Uh, it was thirty-seven. There we go. Yep. All right, last one. You can't get this wrong. It's a hypothetical. Um, if the season ends, oh, well, speaking of the season ending, would you rather have the season end as is and Newcastle finish in thirteenth? Or have this season played out under Steve Bruce as the manager with a 45% chance to gain a Europa League spot heading into the new season with the new owners and a, fi- or a 5% chance you're safe and, or a fit- and a 50% chance of relegation. So I'll repeat that again. Please do. You either have the season <laughs> in now and you finish in 13th, your mid-table, whatever, or you play the season out with a 45% chance to gain a Europa League so- spot, 5% chance that you're just like mid-table, and a 50% chance you're relegated. Oh, I totally finish absolutely. Let's let the takeover go through. <laughs> give me, give me, give me a Stoke season. Just put me at thirteenth and get it over with. Absolutely. Give me, yeah. give me the prize money and let me, let me have our beautiful Saudis invest in our team. Mm. Okay. I thought you guys would be tempted by the forty-five percent chance to play European football again next season, yeah, but it's coming anyway. It so. seems like you guys are smart. We, it's coming we, anyway. we, we've both seen two <laughs> yeah. relegations under Newcastle. I'm not in the mood to to risk seeing a third. <laughs> yep. yeah, great That's questions, yep. Elijah. That, that, those were really great. Yes, good. Thanks. Good prep on that. All right, ready to get all of these wrong from Adam. They're they're not easy. So I've got a theme. Adam, for can you. I can I guess uh, as well as I, even though I am a false nine yeah. rep, I did not do any preparation of these questions. <laughs> sure, sure, that's totally fine. Zach has not seen the seen the questions, so um, yeah, absolutely, the two of you can guess. So the theme is old and young. 
given that I am 37 and the old man of this crew and y'all are in your early 20s, um, I thought old and young was a nice theme. Yeah. Who is the oldest boss in EPL history and how old is or was he when he managed? Um, okay. Uh, what, what is our, what is our, um, what's our margin of error here? I'll give you, I'll give you five years either way. And uh, I'll give you the clue that he is a current Premier League oh. manager. Oh, um, just quickly running through the options here. Hmm. Is it Roy Hodgson? It, it is, it yeah, is Roy Hodgson. Great guess. Great <laughs> he guess. Just that old. was a race for the finish type type of question. Is he? And then I'll I'll guess yeah. his age. Is he? 78 sure. years old he is Jesus. he is 71 okay. years old <laughs> i was gonna guess 72 i was like yep. 78 would mean that he could like barely walk yep like <laughs> yeah i think um well, not barely, other ones but... that have been kind of up there in the high 60s uh manuel mm-hmm. pellegrini. pellegrini um yeah claudio ranieri has been up there as well so uh, i was gonna guess pellegrini n- until you said pellegrini like, looks ah. Neil Warnock. Neil think. Warnock was seventy when he got relegated. So um, Roy Hodgson actually only recently took over that mantle as the oldest in, in Premier League history. What? How old is Rafa? I feel like Rafa's no, actually. I think much Rafa's older than in his think. like mid fifties. I think he's oh, late. Maybe he's late, fifty-five. I think he's I think late. late I, thought, yeah. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. For some reason, I thought he was sixty-five and just looked really good for his age. He's a great-looking man. I gotta look true. up. I gotta look up Rafa Benitez's age right now. He's six. He's actually exactly sixty go. years old. Oh, okay. Good for him. There you go. All right. Question number two: Which former Newcastle manager is the fifth youngest to manage in the Premier League? I'll give you the clue that it was not Newcastle he managed when he was the fifth youngest. He started at Chelsea in 1996, and he was 33 years old and 352 days when he took charge of the team. Former Newcastle manager. So, former Newcastle manager, fifth youngest ever to manage in the Premier League. At the time, managed Chelsea in '96, and was 33 years old, almost 34. Oh man. Um... Jeez, oh, that's tough. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I feel like it was probably some, you know, kind of filler manager. Um, I I was going to, before you said the Chelsea thing, I was going to say uh, uh, Shearer. Yeah, he was he was uh, late 30s. I'm not sure then. So cur- current youngest uh, in the Premier League is, um, as I mentioned earlier, Mikel Arteta, 38. Okay. So. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, d- I do not know who that would be. The answer is Rude Hullet. Okay, I was not going to guess that. I was thinking, I was going through my head. I was like, is it Chris Hutton? Like, I feel like he was young when he started, but nope. Rude, Hull- Rude Hullet, would... famous for dropping Alan Shearer from, from his starting line. Wow. Yep. All right, uh, third question. Who is currently the oldest player in the Premier League? It is a goalkeeper, quite, quite obviously. I'll tell you, he's currently 38 years old. You guys have any guesses? At who Current that oldest be? player in the Premier League. Yes. Um, he's not a starting ooh. player. He is a is it, backup. I'll give you that clue. I would imagine if he's if he's thirty eight. Um, 
That's who is I was it Claudio guess. Bravo? That's a good guess. It is not correct. Right. Jeez, how old is he? I swear he's like at least... He's got to be like 36, 37 then. Yeah, he's probably back, there. Let me check Claudio Bravo right now. Keep... Claudio Bravo is 37. Yes. Wow, yep. okay. Yep. We were almost is, right. Yep. Is, almost. Um, Czech still isn't technically a player, is he? Okay. No, I think he's a okay. coach. I'm now. not sure. Who yeah. is it? The answer is Willy Caballero that's for Chelsea. That's kind of like the, that's kind yeah, of like the I was, same answer. I was answer. thinking it was. I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> very similar yeah. to Claudio Bravo. Yeah, exactly. Back up at a. At a big I was team. like, there's definitely another like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All that's good. All right. Who is currently the youngest player in the Premier League? Um, I'll give you the clue that he turns 17 on the 4th of April this year, um, and he plays unsurprisingly for Liverpool. Oh, is it? Is it? Um, is it the, the the new oh, dude? I I I can picture the this guy's face in FIFA because people buy him. Oh my god! Is it the young Japanese player that they recently bought? I I forget his name. Mina Mina Minamito or Mina something. Okay, I can't remember. I don't think yet. so because no, I feel like that guy's it's, twenty. It's not him. I'll give you another clue. Um, he's he's, ac- he's actually the youngest player ever to play in the Premier League. And it wasn't for Liverpool. It was last season for Fulham. Um, so Liverpool signed him. Oh, Steven Sessegnon. Nope. Ryan Sessegnon. Not Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah, no. he, he's on Spurs. Um, he's at yeah, Spurs, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ex, I was just ex, thinking ex, Fulham, ex Fulham players yeah, from exactly. last year. You're right there, but not. not, not <laughs> I'm Liverpool. not sure, Adam. Who, who is it? His name is Harvey Elliott. Um, he was the youngest ever player to play in the Premier League um, at kind of young young 16 um and he turns 17 on april the 4th of this year um so harvey you've made that name up he's not real look him that up that sounds like a stereotypical british guy harvey elliott he's english and great great hair so uh, all right okay question number five final question for you before we get into some welsh pronunciation who is the only outfield player over the age of 40 to have played at the world cup jesus and I'll give you a clue. It was in the year I was born, 1982. He played and scored in his team's 6-1 loss to Russia at 42 years old. What country is he from? Uh, he's probably the most famous player in this country's history, and he played for the Cameroon. In 82? Oh. Mm-hmm. Cameroon. Um, oh. Is is, is uh is George Weah? No, no, he's not Cam- Cameroonian, is he? He's not. He's not Liberian. He's Liberian, yeah. mm-hmm. but and also American, but... like also Liberian. <laughs> um, I have no idea. I don't know if you'll know this guy. Um, Roger Mia is the is the correct answer. Very very famous nope. historical a, So Weah and Mia, classic mix. Well, I don't believe in history. I'm a millennial. There you go. All right, as we typically do um, at the end of the False Nines podcast, Elijah, you may not have heard this before, but I like to oh, give—I like to give Zach a Welsh word. I like to spell it for him, and I like to see if he can a tell me how it's pronounced, and b tell me if he can uh, translate it and tell me what the English translation is of the Welsh word. You guys ready for? I've heard this, this segment, and it's—it's it's impossible. That's that's. That's what I've ascertained from this. I will add that Josh was on the podcast last time and actually got the pronunciation spot on. So it's not impossible. Not impossible. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. The word is 
E-I-R-L-Y-S. 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 Arlys. Zach? Um, Arlish. Airless uh, is the correct answer. So you're both very, very close, but I don't think I'm going to give either of you a point on that. I'll give you a point if either of you can tell me what the Welsh translation of this word is, or the English translation. I'm going to go with something that's pretty topical. I'm going to say the Welsh translation is cans. <laughs> cans is, is is incorrect, but I like I like oh, that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with Premier League checks and balances test. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, you guys aren't even playing. All right. Uh, no, this. Uh, okay, well, Cans was a good guess. I honestly thought that you would be, like, clever enough to be like, oh, Cans and then end Welsh. This one is something that we're not getting a lot of this week in Denver. It's snowdrops. Oh. What is a snow? It's the what Welsh. is a snowdrop? A snowdrop is actually a snowdrop is a flower, um, but we're not getting much snow here in Denver either. We're hitting the eighties here, so it's uh, it's been a it's been a toasty one here in Denver. Wouldn't you I, say that? Well, it's yeah. April. That's true. It is. We still get we still get snow in April though. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That that was that was good. Early as I should have gotten that one. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool 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 well that will that will be the end of uh the 42nd episode of the false nines again elijah thanks for for coming on i i think there will be many more crossover episodes in the future so excited to, to have you on the pod this week yeah thanks elijah of course been a pleasure all right lads well for 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 me zach pensack and for the false nines footy Forty. Forty.